about to watch Plerud by Pastor Chumdi Ohahuna. As he brings to you a message from God's word, that will build you up and make you complete in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 15 verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. We pray that as you watch this teaching you will receive the empowerment to bear much fruit in Christ. Now listen. We've been talking about Jesus came to preach, preach the gospel and we understood that the gospel that Jesus came to preach is the gospel of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, amen. Now to study the consequence of the kingdom of God, we don't pray up there to preach. Today we're going to be dealing with a first component which is to bind up the broken hearted. And this uh, teaching is just going to be for only today, amen. I believe it's kind of a short one uh, that we can do with today. Praise the Lord forevermore. Yeah. Hallelujah. Uh, Jesus came to bind up the broken hearted. The King James, uh, Isaiah chapter 6 says, uh, it says, He sent me to bind up the broken hearted. And then Luke 4 verse 18, it says, He had sent me to heal the broken hearted. Amen to Jesus. Praise the Lord forevermore. Heal, bind up, they all talk about the same thing. Praise the Lord forevermore. Um, so then Jesus, remember in Luke chapter 4 verse 18, Jesus opened the book of Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 down to verse 2 and he read what the, the, um, what the assignment that the Lord gave to him is all about and he told them this day is this scripture fulfilled in your, in your presence, amen. He said that day is fulfilled. It was not going to be fulfilled later. I said it's already fulfilled. That means Jesus is the fulfillment of the scripture. Praise the Lord forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. That means this scripture has already been fulfilled. It's not going to be fulfilled. One of the challenge the church has, one of the challenge that the church has today is that we are waiting for the fulfillment of scriptures that have already been fulfilled. That's one of our greatest challenges, principle. We are waiting for the fulfillment of scriptures that have already been fulfilled. And it has brought a lot of setbacks to the church of Jesus. I remember when the Lord told me, when the Lord taught me something a while ago, and the Lord taught me this, he said, wherever you see a scripture, a promise, I will. He said it's not a prayer point. The Lord told me a promise is not a prayer point. A promise is an amen point. Amen. amen. That's what he said. When you see a promise, all you do is say, Amen, which means I believe, which means I, I believe it, I accept it. Amen. You don't pray about a promise. Praying about a promise is like trying to make God make his mind concerning something. It's like trying to make God decide about the thing he has already decided about. Or trying to bring something to God's attention or to God's table or to bring a, a matter to him for him to think about it and then decide. There are cases where you plead your case. The Bible says, uh, present thy cause, bring forth thy strong reasons, declare thou that thou may be justified. There are cases of that kind of praise God where you have to present your cause and bring forth your strong reasons and declare that, Lord, that, that you may be justified. But when it comes to the issue, the case of a promise that the Lord has said, I will do. When you see it in scripture, it is not a time to bring forth your strong will, it's not a time to declare, it's a time to say amen. Even when the devil is trying to oppose the manifestation of the promise, all you need to do is to keep standing your ground in faith concerning what God has promised. Are you know what I'm saying? Rather to my and say, be not weak in faith. Be not what? Weak in faith. Now, so all the devil tries to do is to make us weak in faith. 
faith concerning the promise of God. He said, and he staggered not at the promise of God. Be strong in faith. Giving glory unto God. That's where it goes. Since it's a promise, I don't need to pray about it any longer. The devil will try to shake my faith as regards this promise. So what do I do? I have to remain strong in faith and keep giving glory to God. As such, I keep telling him, Amen, 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 Amen. I believe, I believe, I receive. Now when the devil tries to shake your faith in again, all you do is what? I believe, I receive. And then you focus on something more important. Because the shaking of your faith is not as important as your focusing on God. You know what I'm saying? It's just like a, a dog, a, a, a big, big dog standing and a puppy coming to back at his side. Praise God. And while the puppy is backing at his side, there is a thief at the gate trying to jump in. What will the big dog focus on? The focus on the thief is that also. Not only moving back on the side. Are you getting what I'm saying? Also, there's a big dog and there's a puppy back in my side. And the master of the dog, the owner of the dog is talking to the dog. What will the dog focus on? The focus on the owner, the master. So, as we walk with God, as we walk with God, our focus is not meant to be on the shakings around us. Our focus is meant to be on God, on Jesus. That's what the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's not part of my teaching, but I don't know why the Lord will have us doing this time before entering the teaching. Praise God. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. What looking there in the Greek actually means to remove your focus from something and put another thing. What the whole time is what do you remove your focus from? You remove your focus from the shakings around you and focus it on Jesus. Now, every time there is a promise from God to you, the devil will try to shake your faith. You must always learn to remove your focus from the shaking of your faith and put it on Jesus. Why? Because even if you put your focus on your faith, you cannot help your faith. Yes. Let it not put your focus on the devil. See, one of the challenges I have with the teaching of faith is that some of the time it removes the focus from Jesus to faith. And you cannot have faith in faith. You have to have faith in Jesus. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about faith in the uh, Go forth to say last year. We understood that faith is a pedestal of which something rests. Amen. Amen. And what is the pedestal? Your faith has to rest in the pedestal. The pedestal is what? The evidence, which is what? The word of God, Jesus. So the faith, our faith must be focused on Jesus. Jesus is the focus of our faith. That's what the Bible says, Romans 10, the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. So in situations where the devil tries to shake your faith concerning a promise, all you do is to, is to consume more the word of God. If I go back to the word that God gave you, that the devil is trying to shake your faith about, Read it over and again, read it over and again, till you can read out the shaking. <laughs> till you can read out the shaking. Once you have been able to read out the shaking, you have gotten your faith firm again, and you continue. So you don't focus on the shakings, you focus on God. And how do you do that? By saying Amen. Saying Amen is not just an, a word uh, confession, it's also an act confession. Because when you say Amen, it, it, it works on your psychology and then it makes you start acting out the Amen. You go back to the world, you go back again and again, you go back again and again, and you repeat the word to yourself till 
until your mind begins to see the new light what God is saying to be able to achieve your goal, uh, achieve the promise of God for your life. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. So Jesus said that this scripture is fulfilled, that God has said on it before you today. So the, the word of God has been fulfilled. The promises of God have been fulfilled. We must hold on to the fulfilled promise and stop looking for God to fulfill what He has already fulfilled. Many of our prayers are prayers based on fear. So we try to, in quote, make God fulfill what He has fulfilled. He has fulfilled it. Our job is to stand on the liberty where Christ has made us free. To keep saying, Amen. Praise God forevermore. Alright. The fourth component of the kingdom of God uh, is what? To bind on the broken hearted. And Jesus actually did it and preached it. Praise God. The Bible, we learn that Jesus was a doer before a talker. Bible says how Jesus began to do and to preach. Matthew one says Jesus began to what? To do and to preach. Praise God forevermore. So Jesus was actually a doer before he what? A preacher. He was actually a doer before a talker. He actually preached what he did. He did it before he preached it. Praise God forevermore. And that's the kind of preaching we need today. Preaching that is the end product of doing, not doing that is the end product of preaching. But preaching that is the end of what? Doing. You have to do it before you preach it. Praise God. This was a very crucial task given to Jesus, which he performed with great sense of duty. Jesus knew how crucial this task was, so he did what? He performed it with what? Great sense of what? Duty. The reason for this is that life is characterized by the upgrades. These are one of the most um, enormous tasks that was given to Jesus. And he did it with great sense of duty. Why? Because life is characterized by heartbreaks. You, you must accept this truth about life. You see, one of the reasons why people get into um, um, psychological dysfunctions or they become mentally delayed is because they have not, they they, they not prepared themselves to accept this truth. You realize some people just, their brain shuts down as a result of a shock. It's because he didn't prepare himself to accept this truth. Then the story about the particular Christian sister, Christian lady, who was in, who was dating, cutting, cutting a guy, a, 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 a Christian brother, also of the same religion for about ten years. That is not coaching. That is living in bondage. The movie they call living in bondage. That's not coaching. That's bondage. Are you know what I'm saying? And after ten years, the brother came and told her, "I'm sorry." I cannot marry. She actually shut down. Her brain shut down. She got, she ran insane. I hear what I'm saying. She ran insane. She ran off. She, she got insane. Her brain shut down. What was the reason for this? Because her brain was not prepared for what? For her brain. And let me understand something. When you understand that life is characterized by heartbreaks. Actually, it helps you prepare yourself for heartbreaks at any given point in time. And then your heart can never break. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Praise God. And that's a very important thing that Christians need to learn. Life is characterized by heartbreaks. Heartbreaks that come as a result of shock and every other. And that is one of the things that God builds us into over the years in our work with Him. Where it's one of the things that will break you down before can no longer break you. The things that will shock you before can no longer shock you. I remember when, um, that was seven years ago, nine years ago, when uh, my immediate telegram communicated the news of the, uh, uh, the, 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 the death of my younger sister to me. I was on the road 
I was actually, I just came down from the bus and I was about to take another bus to the house. And he called me and he said, Chippy, are you driving? I said, no. And the way he said it, he just said it in such a way that there was this lightness in his voice. You know, he waits as to whether this thing was the ground, yeah, which, you know, and he said, uh, and he, he, he called her name and he said, she's dead. I said, it can't be possible. I actually almost ran man on the road. I was in a, maybe it's one team junction on an express from one passing here, one with that. I almost ran man on the I called them, I called Pastor, I called my wife and I was like, what's happening? She said, okay, go home straight now. Let's go and meet your prayers because it looks like she said that I shouldn't go back to my house. Let's let this emotional instability not make me do something. See that I was living in the house alone and I had to go to my parents and I got that from there. But the shock was so heavy for me. But that was um, nine years ago it happened. Last year, when my eldest brother pastor, when my father called me on the Monday morning and told me she be um, he called the name of my elder brother and told, him, told me he has passed on. I was not, I was, I was not I was not shocked. But I was like, oh, that's not possible, but the whole thing, I was just calm. I was just calm. And God helped me manage everything so calmly. And even my, my, the way God made me manage the situation, my siblings and my parents could not even factor the way God helped me manage it. What am I trying to say? Over that means what after eight years, God had built me to be able to what manage what may look like heartbreak and it didn't get me broken. And that's one of the biggest things that God goes to us as he matures us in our work with him. As he matures us in our it's not like you become numb, it's not like you, you become a dead person, no, but it was that you have become so mature that. You know that heartbreak is part of life. When you express something, it's no longer a shock to you. Is that also? It's when you don't expect it that it becomes a surprise or a shock to you. So it's either heartbreak is a part of life. So it's either your heart has been broken or you have broken someone's heart. And no matter how much you avoid it, how smart or how wise you are, or how rich and influential you are, your heart must have been broken at least once in your lifetime to date. And these words, your heart must have been broken. Nobody can say my heart has never broken. That person has told you a lie. That person has told you a lie. Your heart must have been broken at these words. And the reason for this is why Jesus said, Love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and with all thy soul. Because he knew that life is filled with heartbreaks. If you don't love God with your heart, people will definitely break your heart. If you don't give the Lord your heart, you will actually give your heart to somebody. Actual fact is that over the years, God has trained me never to give my heart to anybody, but to give my heart to the Lord alone. You know. Nobody but the Lord alone. You know. Because no man can handle your heart the way God will handle your heart. Every man is thinking of his own heart. You see, that's one of the challenges that most people don't understand. Everybody is selfish, everybody is thinking of his own. How can somebody who is thinking of how to manage his heart not have your heart to his heart? successful or how fulfilled you think a person may be, he still has his personal agenda somehow. You know, not that small the agenda is, he still has a personal what? Agenda he's looking up to. Praise God. So it's a risk to give your heart to any human being. That's why Jesus said, Lord, 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 
It's a risk to love any human being with all your heart. No, 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 it's a risk. You only love the Lord with all your heart. The, the, the Romeo and Juliet standards we have in the society today is because a man chose to love a, love a woman with all his heart. And a woman chose to love a man with all her heart. You end up with a heartbreak. You end up, you end up dying for nothing. Because that death was not a reason to death. You were dead for nothing. Praise God. The only thing one dying for is dying for Jesus. Praise the Lord forevermore. And that's why the Bible says, Love along with all I have. Because heartbreak is part of life. Is it that you have broken somebody's heart or somebody has broken your heart? From your best till day, your heart must have been broken at least once. At least once. Amen. Amen. And how do I understand this? No matter, don't mind, don't, don't, you see, I will never believe anybody who says his heart has never been broken. Even the witch do cry. There's a superpower we used to watch when we were children there. In the time of superpower was what? The rich also cry. Amen. The rich also cry. If they think that, oh, they have all they want, all they need, and what are they looking for? There's something that you have that they are looking for. Are we together? Yes. So that's why heartbreak is, is, a, is, is, a, is a leveler. It cuts across every human being. Every human being. Everybody's heart has been broken at this once. Praise God. Amen. And how do I know this? Now, let's do a little small, small research work and we'll go to the teacher. Well, infants come into the world with no real awareness of his danger. That's the way infants come into the world with no real awareness of his danger. Praise God. Even so, they are hardwired to reflexively bow at sudden loud noises and cling if they sense they are falling. So somehow, infants come with no sense of danger, but they have been wired with it to have, let me say, two fears. The first fear is the fear of loud noise. The second fear is the fear of what? Falling. So babies' brains and nerves grow rapidly in the first few years of life. But they are born with very immature nervous systems. This means that they cannot interpret or handle certain sensory inputs like loud noise or the feeling of falling. They cannot handle those things. Praise God. So what you cannot handle, you're always afraid of it, is that also? So that is it. So that's why passing an infant around to loving relatives may not bother your baby, but set him down too fast. Or make an abrupt loud noise and will cry in fright. Why? Because their brains have not been wired to understand these two things. Are you know what I'm saying? Yes. And anything you don't understand, there are two ways you respond to it. There are two ways you react to it. You either criticize it or you are afraid of it. So there are the two fears that babies have been wired with from the beginning. Praise God. From when they from, from when they are born. Amen. Now this makes us understand that when a baby is born, only two fears develop and birth. They are what? The fear of falling and the fear of loud noise. Praise God. And the fear of falling actually is believed that that fear comes because when a baby is born normally, it kind of the baby comes down the head, is that also? And it drops. So that first drop. Actually, it's kind of what is believed that imputes that fear in the baby. That's the baby's first fall. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. And then, 
the fear of loud noise. When the baby is little, it hears the mother, it hears sound around, but it looks like um, the, 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 the womb makes the baby a little soundproof. Praise God. And so the noise does not come directly and clearly loud into his ears. When the baby comes out, he hears, hey, he hears, oh, baby, I've come. What? Those noises makes me scared. Makes the baby scared and like, ah. What's happening? Before it was something, now it is still there. So it's really that those are, these are the reasons for these fears. Amen. Praise God. Now, aside the above mentioned fears, every other fear comes due to experiences the child gets as he or she grows up in life. This means that uh, the nature, which is the environment, and the nurture, which is the upbringing, develops fears in us. You see, heartbreaks are the end product of fears. We learned that um, fear is um, fear is in fact is the uh, source of anger. You are angry whenever you are angry. Check the roots down. There's a fear that makes you angry. If you are not really afraid of anything, you don't get angry. Amen. And heartbreaks are also the end product of fear. Okay. Now, the lady courted the guy for 10 years, and after 10 years, the man broke up the relationship. What was her fear? I've wasted 10 years of my life. That's the subconscious fear. I've wasted 10 years of my life. See, most of the time they say, I love him, I cannot leave him. No, it's not that she loves him, but the, 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 it's not that she could loves him, she cannot leave him. The problem is that she's insecure in going somewhere else. She says he only started up something else again. One of the greatest fear people have is the fear to start all over. I'm talking from experience like it's one of the greatest fear. Starting all over again. One of the fear people have is the fear of breaking an addiction. Because as you have more related with somebody over the years, you become addicted to the person. And then how do I break this addiction that I've had for 10 years? And then, since you are not ready to manage it, the brain shuts down. <laughs> so it all finds its root of fear. To fear. Heartbreak finds its root of fear. A man who is not afraid is that can never be broken. That's one of the things that God, you see, in the Bible, the word fear not appears 366 times. Why? Because there are 366 days in a leap year and 365 days a year. So for every day, there is a fear not. God knows that the major arrow of the devil is fear. Once God can deal with fear in your life, nothing is a problem again. There's no problem again. There's no problem. And I've also experienced that when, people, when you get into confrontational issues, the one effect is to put fear into you. Who always come? He will try to me. He will try to try to me. 
I'll calm. You talk, 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 talk. There was once he told me something. The day, the day I released fire on him, it was the one that said, "Please, we'll take it easy, take it easy." Why? Because it's a normal strategy of the devil. Fear is a normal strategy of the devil, and every heartbreak finds its root to fear. Let me use this word. Every negative situation finds its root to what? To fear. To fear. And that's why God deals with the issue of fear seriously. He never wants us to be afraid. Fear not. See, the reason why people give up is because of fear. So every outbreak is the epidemic of what? Of fear. He broke the relationship, he broke my heart, he broke my heart. No, he didn't break your heart, you are just afraid. If you are not afraid, when he told you, I'm not doing it, you should have said, Thank you, Lord Jesus. Why? Because when one door closes, another better one opens. That mentality is the mentality of no fear. Are we together? Amen. Is broken. For another person, after 20 attempts, she tells you I'm just starting. Why? 
<laughs> nature and what? Nurture. Are we together? Praise the Lord forevermore. I, I never knew as a, I never knew that as a child. I never knew as I was growing up my child I, I could live under pressure. I never knew. I was a child who never liked pressure. I liked pain, pain, pain. I don't like pressure at all. I never knew I could live under pressure. But I remember when my primary, is it primary three teacher? As a primary three for the about, I have not left my notification table. I remember when our teacher told us he actually promised us. <laughs> and that guy could flood like, like what I don't know. His skin was a weapon. When he promised us that if we don't answer our notification table questions the next day, when he asks us, oh, you know my king, I will flog him above you. In one day, I led two, two times table to twelve in one day. In fact, I was letting it and cry. <laughs> I was memorizing and crying because that thing, I know that guy's thing is terrible. I was memorizing it and crying. I know the battle. After threatening us the previous day, I memorized my contribution to the book two times to the third time in one day. After two hours, for, after two hours tonight, I left it. By the next day, we went to school, the man never asked us. It was God's way of pushing me to learn my contribution table. Are we together? It was after the in secondary school, I learned that I could read before the exam, a day before the exam, and I could go and pass it down. I didn't know I could do things under pressure until situations put me under pressure. But there are still some people who don't believe in working under pressure. Is that not so? There are some people that produce their best friend under pressure. In fact, if you want me to teach, prepare a good teaching, some of you that put me under pressure, I prepare a good teaching. <laughs> if you give me time sometimes, I will just be free. Are you not saying? But there are people who can't do anything under pressure. I once thought I could not do things under pressure until I understood over time that I could do things under pressure. So, why is for some people why pressure breaks them? So, for a lot of people, pressure breaks them. Why? This all boils down to what? Nature and what? Nurture. A child's formative years, that between zero to six, are very important because they actually they actually determine the kind of person he or she ends up as. So when the heart of a child is broken, a broken person with a broken life is created. Except there is an intervention. So so you see something I was I was watching something over the internet. I was watching about dangerous kids. Dangerous kids. Some of them some of them kill their fathers, some of them kill their friends. They kill the they kill the person and sometimes they hide the body. There was ones like that. Two, these ones were brothers. One was older than the other. They actually killed their father and brought bought the house with his corpse inside to hide the evidence. And when they finished all the narratives about these kids, they did not ask, they don't say, what made these kids like this? Were they like this from the beginning? And they started thinking, what happened to each and every one of them? What was the challenge? Every one of them was abused. They were abused. So in their formative ages, they were what? Their hearts were what? Broken. And that gave them what? A broken life. It can also occur at every age in life. The reason for this is that resident in every individual is a child, no matter the age of the person. The actual fact is that physically we grow, but in our inner man, we still remain children. Are we together? That's the reason why we sometimes want to say, as old as this person is, he's behaving like a child. No, he's not as old as he is. <laughs> in every body, is a child. And in one area, in one aspect of the other, the child in you will not. 
So if as a child you were broken, that brokenness can continue till you die. Till what twenty to continue? Are we together? If something is not wrong about it. The effect of a broken heart could also be very devastating to both the one who is broken and to those around him or her. The reason for this is that broken people break people. Broken people do what? Break people. Be very, 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 very careful about hanging around broken people. Don't think you can help a broken man. It will end up breaking you. Broken people break people. I remember something Dr. Mouse, one of the blessed memory he said while ago. He said, marriage is for whole men, whole men, whole men. And I added my own. Not broken boys. Amen. He said whole men, I added what? Broken boys. So when you see a broken boy and he tells you I love you, take another route. Are you not saying? Because you can't let him. When a broken boy comes to tell you he loves you, just refer him to the only person that can, help, that can make him whole. Because if you try to make him whole, he will end up breaking you. Most of the emotional issues we have today, most of the divorces, most of the broken relationships, I always believe so that every relationship has 100% possibility of working as well as 100% impossibility of working. It all depends on two things, the will of God and the will of the two parties. Are you not saying? That's what I believe in. So, you can't tell me that it didn't work because we're not compatible. No, it didn't work because two of you were broken and you could not help yourself. Is it that one was broken and the other one did not go? And it came into the broken person's sheep and at the end of the day, the broken person broke you. <laughs> and two broken people cannot make anything out of themselves. And you cannot say, praise God forevermore. So, the above fact stated makes us understand how crucial this tax was and is to Jesus. You see, brokenness is something that cannot be removed from society. In the society today, we have so many broken people that they don't even know they are broken. Somebody knows they are broken. And some know that they are broken, but they are not sincere to themselves to tell themselves that they are broken in this area. So one of the greatest solutions to a man is when he knows that he has a problem and he has said that he has a problem and then seeks for a solution to the problem. But if a man does not know he has a problem, he actually has a problem. And if a man knows he has a problem, but does not accept that he has a problem and does not seek solution to have a problem, to the problem, then he still has a problem. So the only way a man can end a problem is when he knows he has a problem, accepts he has a problem and seeks solution to the problem. Level in life, it comes across every individual. It's a major characteristic of that. Why? Because after the fall of Adam, we came into a broken world. And brokenness is a characteristic of the carnal falling world. Are you what I'm And it's something that we cannot run away from. We only have to deal with it. In order to understand what this task entails and how it applies to us, We'll answer the questions below by the help of the Holy Spirit. What does this start of binding the broken heart entail? What does it entail? We have to understand it. And for us to understand it, we answer these questions. Number one, what is a broken heart? What is a broken heart? What is a broken heart? The phrase broken hearted will be defined from the Bible with the Hebrew and Greek respectively as 
the phrase appears, put in the book that we tested because the word couldn't happen is, 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 is actually a word, but the put is a phrase because two words join together. Amen. And uh, it's the same way in Hebrew and Greek, the Old Testament and New Testament. We define it to the Hebrew and the Greek and also define it to what? With the English uh, dictionary. So the word broken hearted is derived from two Hebrew words, which are what? Broken and hearted. Broken is a Hebrew word Shabbat. And Shabbat means to break. Shabbat means to break. Number two, Shabbat means to break in pieces. Not just break a lot, but also get into what? Pieces. Amen. It means to break in or break down. Break it in or break it down. a memory that has been broken down 
things that have been raped, violently, wrecked, crushed, quenched, ruptured, made, crippled, and shattered. So in other words, everything about the inner person is dead. Finished, 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 finished. It means an inclination, a resolution, a determination of will, a conscience, a heart that is moral character and has been broken down in pieces, raped violently, wrecked, crushed, quenched, ruptured, made, crippled, and shattered. It means a seat of appetite, a seat of emotions and passions, a seat of courage that has been broken down on in pieces, that have been wrecked, that have been violently wrecked, that have been wrecked violently, that have been wrecked, that have been crushed, that have been quenched, ruptured, made, crippled, and shattered. So, so what's left of this? That's what makes somebody commit suicide. Because when a man's heart is broken, the man is actually finished. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. What makes somebody see that there's nothing worth living for in life again? I have tried and I have failed and my life is wrecked and the person goes and takes his life. It's finished. The Merabrosan Dictionary defines someone who is broken-hearted as one who is filled with great sadness, especially because someone you love has left you, but that was a person who has died. Amen. So Merabrosan Dictionary just makes it a little light, great sadness. But the Hebrew makes us understand it. The person is finished. The person is actually finished. Are you understand what I'm saying? The person is dead. He has been wrecked. He has been crushed. He has been everything, everything, everything. Everything, everything is gone. It's totally gone. Totally gone. That's a broken heart. The Bible says, a very heart doeth well, like medicine, broken, but in what? A broken spirit dries the bone. The spirit there is not capital letter S, so it generally speaks about a broken soul, a broken heart. A broken heart is not dries the bone, dries the bone. That's the reason why I see when a man is, when a man is broken hearted, it will tell on his health. The bones there speak about his physical being, his physical health. For a broken heart, we start leading to hypertension. It will lead to cancer, to ulcers. If it dry the bone, it will lead to weight loss. This is a serious issue. And many of us know that people are dying every day, not because of what they call cancer, but because of a broken heart. Now let me understand that the spirit of cancer enters into the life of a person who is bitter. I you know something? One of the causes of cancer is actually bitterness. That spirit called cancer, when a person is bitter, it just finds a safe haven to stay, and it lives in that person's life. So, most of the times when you see people that are cancerous, you, you discover that if you go deeper into the spiritual implications and some of the psychological implications, there is something that they are bitter about. Are you hearing what I'm There is something that they are bitter about. Even ulcers, ulcers, the spirit behind ulcers, the spirit of infirmity, the spirit of infirmity behind ulcers, it stays in bitter bodies. Bodies of people who are bitterness in their hearts. So, <laughs> these are serious issues. And there are many people that are dying because of broken heartedness. They have been broken in different areas of their life. It's a serious issue. And that's why Jesus had to specify it. God said Jesus would deal with this issue. Because 
will be outside. So his fight is to break you on the inside, to crush you on the inside. He does everything to crush you on the inside, to, 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 to violently ruin you, to quench you, to wreck you, to, 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 to wreck you violently, to make you, to cripple you on the inside. You get what I'm saying? And I'm talking from experience. Amen. They gave to somebody and in return the person gave them 
give will return. And because of that, they make vows not to give. Their hearts have been broken in that area. Amen. And they have died in that area. But let me tell you the truth about the devil. The devil wants you to die inside. And because your heart is never broken in bad things. Are you getting me? It's never broken in bad things. Your heart is only broken in good things. So check everybody who has had a broken heart. It's for something good too. Never has anybody had a broken heart for something bad. Never. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, he had been trying to succeed in business and he couldn't make it and his heart got broken. He was pursuing a good goal. Oh, it was a relationship that was looking good and he got broken and her heart got broken. It was something good. Nobody's heart gets broken for something bad. That makes us understand that whenever your heart is broken, it's the devil that is behind it. God can never be behind a broken heart. Are you going to say? Because God only gives good. Every good and perfect gift coming from the Lord. God only gives good and perfect. Whenever your heart is broken, the devil was behind it. Because the devil is the one who hates good. He hates good. So child of God, wake up. The devil is behind heartbreaks. Amen. Yes. What is a broken life? A broken life is a life characterized by a broken heart. That's a broken life. It's characterized by and you hear it in their speech. For some of them, they didn't run, they didn't shut down mentally, they didn't run back, but they became psychologically imbalanced. Unknown to them, you hear it in their speeches. You hear it in their speeches. You hear it in their decisions and their results. You hear it in their approach to, you see it in their approach to West life. You see that this person has a broken life because his heart has been broken. Are we together? And let me let you understand something, that the devil brings in fear. The, the fear, the, the, the factor of fear is what generates broken hearts. I cannot say. And when a broken heart comes, it makes you believe that you can never venture again. It makes you believe you can never. So you try to play safe. And let me tell you, there's nothing like playing safe. Playing safe is playing in destruction. There's nothing like playing safe. It's either you are playing risky or you are not playing at all. But trying to play safe, sitting in between the fence, is not playing at all. So what, what broken heartedness does is that it tries to make people play safe. And sometimes they begin to build a wall around an area of their life. A world that nobody can pass into. And building that wall does not actually mean that that area is protected. It actually means that you have built a wall around that area and don't know what is happening in that area again. So it may be getting worse by the end. Are we in the Because but you, are in, you are shut out of that area. You are beautiful. You are not doing analysis of what is happening in that area. It just, for example, a man builds a fence around a high fence that nobody can see through, see over, amen, from a road. Nobody can see over, except there is a gate to go in. And the man builds a fence that is like, that means what? 10 feet high, praise God. And he builds a gate that is a no see through gate. Same height, 10 feet high. begins to quick, <laughs> will you know? If things begin to happen in the land, will you know? Nothing. Especially if it is in the middle and it's not getting to the fence. When grasses grow and snakes and cobras and pythons and began to have in the land, he would know. Why? Because he built a 10 feet what? Fence. And the kind of 
Wild animals and beasts living in this land, he may not, he will not know. God forbid, after three years, four years, five years, he opens the land, opens the gate. As he opens the gate, what welcomes him is the Bible. Are you not saying? That's what happens when people build walls around an area in their life that they are broken. They are refused by building that wall. They are shut out that area of their life. And then they don't assess that area any longer. And what happens? Pythons begin to breed. Uh, what is it? Cobras begin to breed. Different wild animals begin to breed. And the day they intentionally open that area, what we bite them, what we attack them, breed us. So it's just but that's also a wrong way to do what? To handle what? Broken heartedness. Amen. What makes people broken in life? Two things. Experiences and unmet expectations. Two things. We said before, children are born with only two fears. They come to the world with only two fears. But every other fear they need to comes as a result of what? Experiences and unmet expectations. That's why you don't run your life on experience. You run your life on the word of God. Let the word of God explain your experience to you. Decision on the grounds of experience, you make a decision that will not lead beyond the experience. Are you getting what I'm saying? It will not lead beyond the experience. But if you make a decision on the grounds of God's word, that decision will outlive your experiences. So let the word of God explain the experiences to you. Let it explain the experiences to you. Even when the experiences are bitter, let the word of God still explain the experiences. By the help of God, if you have somebody who, when I go through experiences, I always ask for God, why is this happening? Or why did this happen? Are you know what I'm saying? Why did it happen? Well, sometimes it is in pain I'm asking. And sometimes when he gives me the answer, I don't like the answer, but I still accept it. Praise God. Because the greater thing in medical science, they say one of the ways to heal the wound is to first open up the wound. If you don't want to open up that part of your life to God, I'm sorry. The python that will come out today, you try to open it, will be dangerous. Are you something? So experiences. And experiences must come in life. They are part of life. They are part of life. They must come. So it's not about the experience that comes, it's about the man in question or the woman in question. What made out of the experience is what determines what the experience will offer to you. For some people, some experiences broke them, some people, some experiences made them. Are you getting what I'm saying? But that all depends on how you view it using God's word as your binoculars. Amen. When you view experiences from the lens of God's word, you get excellence. But when you view experiences from the lens of your emotions, you get frustration. And the next thing is unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. I expected it to go like this, and it didn't go like that. Many are the plans in the matter when it comes to the salvation. We must understand that God expects us to have many plans, not one plan. As I said, many are the plans in the master for the council of God's salvation. That makes us understand that God wants us to have many plans. In fact, He wants to have not just plan A and plan B, He wants to have plan A to plan Z. Why? Because He knows that in the midst of plan A to plan Z, so long as you are His child and you are following Him, your plan Q may just be His plan. So if plan A, B, C, D, E does not work, 
us and he must have grown you from your own inclinations, from your own selfish desires, from your own emotional um, instability, from your own childishness to the point of maturity where you cannot say, Lord, not my will, but that will be done. But because you have had a flexible plan from A to Z, by doubling you, you discover that you are already in the center of his will. And it's no longer an unmet expectation. It's an expectation in the life of his will because you already were inclined to that. But if you are fixed at plan A and B, what in this plan is not be you? Your heart will go. That's why a lot of Christians have problems. Flexibility to the will of God comes when your plans are many and you are following Him. So wherever it falls, whichever side of the coin that falls, whichever side it dies, falls on. It must happen in His will, which is one of let me say one one of your plans. Are we together? So when we don't work our life in this way, we discover that we always have this one unmet expectations, and that brings about what heartbreaks. See, a child of God who follows the leading of the Spirit can never have an unmet expectation. He can never. He can never. He can. He can. She can never. He can never. If a child of God who follows the Spirit who you, you can never have an unmet expectation. I'm not that your expectations will always be met and exceeded. The reason why most of us are expectations are not met is because we don't understand the workings of the Spirit. The Bible says the expectation of the righteous shall not be controlled. And I, I know that when we hear such scriptures, some of us say, are you sure this is true? Because my expectations have not have been controlled. No, the problem is that the expectations were only fixed in. <laughs> are you getting me? The expectations were not variable A to Z. When your expectation are between A to Z and you are following the Spirit, it must be one of your expectations and it will, it, it will not be conscious. In fact, it will exceed it. And you get what I'm saying? Will, by the privilege of progress, over the years, there's something I, I've learned from uh, my pastor. She will tell me, let's just be following God. Let's just be following God. You see, I used to be somebody who was rigid and it used to cause me a lot of frustrations in life. So that's real that I hate disappointments, I hate when things don't go my way. The last thing was that once uh, a, a, a classmate of mine in school, I, I, I was expecting the delivery of something and it did not come. And I was so angry, I was so happy, and she told me that but you should not be angry. You should just open your heart and expect in case it doesn't come the time you expect it. It will still come at the end of the day. I didn't understand what she was telling me then, but over the years I've come to understand that. And my wife always tells me, let's just be fully God. Let what well, that word let's just be following God. It means make your expectations variable from A to Z. Don't fix it on A, don't fix it on plan B. If all you have in plan A and plan B, that means the word will be frustrated. That means the word God will frustrate you. <laughs> and that means affecting all the Christians. Praise God. Yeah. We that's why we are beginning. For prophecy, because the reason why we look for prophecy is because we want to have a fixed plan. Man, prophet prophesied a fixed plan. If you are mature in the spirit, you will have a plan open to the will of God. And once your plan is open to the will of God, if you, when you discover, when you sit down at the end of the day and do your, your, your analysis, you discover that actually in my subconscious mind, this was my plan, not be you. This was my plan X, this was my plan J, <laughs> in your subconscious mind. 
and I say, for me, this is my plan. But I didn't expect it to be this big. God exceeded my plan, J. That's the way to go. And these things are not for children. These are not children's milk. These are strong men. These are men's meat. But the privilege of God's grace, I've always had a way that the, the, the desire to preach to people, to preach to people, to preach to people. But the privilege of God's grace, using the media, God has helped me reach out to more people than I would say I've reached out to in physical ministry. It doesn't mean that God does not have a plan for me to minister to physical people. I cannot say. But just follow his plan. Why does he have media first before physical? I don't know. But in the fullness of time, we understand why he did media before physical people. And then when we understand that we respond that his plan was ever better than our plan. And at the end of the day, when he brings the physical people, he, our ex, his, ex, his, his, his provision will beat our expectation. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. So on that expectation, we have, to be, we have to be very careful about this. That would have led to a lot of heartbreaks in the church of Jesus, in the world generally, on that what? Expectation. It has led to a lot of heartbreak, and we have to be careful about that. And this debate has told us how to, be, how to avoid the heartbreak that comes from on that expectation. Praise God. Now, how does Jesus mend the broken heart? Jesus makes, Jesus heals the broken hearts by what? Doing two things. Number one, by reversing the reason or cause for the broken heart. By reversing what? The reason or the cause for the broken heart. And number two, by restoring joy to the broken heart. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. And I'm going to show us two scriptural verses to help us understand this. Amen. And that's how Jesus, Jesus heals the broken heart. That's the way, it, he had not changed the, uh, the procedure. That was what he used before, that's what he uses now, that's what he will continue to use. These pro two procedures reverse the cause or the reason for the broken heart. Number two, restore the joy of the broken hearted. Now let's see two instances where Jesus did this. The first instance is the widow in the city of Lady. Whose son died? Luke chapter 7, verse 11 to 15. Says that it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now, when he came nigh to the gates of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bear. And they that bear him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him unto his mother. You see, this is the story of the widow of Nain. Now, this woman was a widow. And she had only one son. Now her husband, the breadwinner, had died. That was the first heartbreak for her. But she could still manage through life, even with the fact that her husband had died. Why? Because of the consolation of what? The presence of her son. Though her heart was broken, she could get back herself and keep moving on in life. And now here comes the most terrible situation that son that means, in other words, her life is finished. Now, the first meal in her life that, you know, 
before the son, the, 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 the most important man in her life was her husband, and then the husband is gone. Now, the next most important man in her life, her son, her son is gone. Wow, that means she has no male figure in her life again. There is no, it's not just about a breadwinner now, it was about a male figure. She needed a male figure in her life, praise God. Now, because she was a widow, her case was different from the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman was looking for the perfect man. Amen. Until she met Jesus. But in this case, she was not looking for a perfect man. She was just okay with the husband she had and the husband would die. And now, okay, let me get back at life with my son and let me move on. The death, now the son died. Her life was shattered. Her life was wrecked. Her life, she was emotionally violently wrecked. She was totally crushed. And Jesus walked a long journey just because of this woman. He knew there was somebody who had had a heartbreak. There was somebody whose heart was broken. See, let me let you know something. He, he believed that he, 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 he walked about 20 miles just because of this woman. Jesus will walk any man just to heal a broken heart. He walked that long because of a broken heart. One broken heart. Let me tell you something, child of God. One broken heart calls the attention of God. God is very interested in every broken heart in this life. Jesus knew that this woman, her life was crushed. Life was meaningless to her. I believe that, I want to believe that after she buried her son, she will get ready to die. It's either, even, even if she doesn't take her life, committing suicide, her will for living will be over, so she will eat apples and just die. So Jesus knew that the death of this boy will lead to her death in no time. Her heart is broken. A broken spirit died a broken heart. We don't know how much she might have been machetted for when the boy died till the day we were burying him. We don't know how much she might have been machetted. Then the next thing would have been different, different sicknesses would start rising up in her body. And then before you know, she passes on. And Jesus said, there is a broken heart somewhere. Disciples, follow me. I am going to mend a broken heart. And you get what I'm saying? I am going, I'm on a mission today. Now, before he went to the city of the only road, he was dealing with other different cases. And you get what I'm saying? But those cases were not as important as a broken heart. He hear me very well. The opening of the blind eye is a good miracle. The healing of the sick is a good miracle. Even the raising of the dead is a wonderful miracle. But that not cannot compare with the, the mending of the broken hearts. Because Jesus knows that the dead is already dead and the only need is a miracle to bring it back. The sick, oh, no problem. When the sick is sick, you can just pray for the sick and he gets it. But the broken hearts is more dangerous because if the dead is dead, it's a miracle to get it. But the broken heart is in between death and life. And you get what I'm saying? Is it between death and life? And like we said, sitting on the fence is a waste of time. You don't play safe. You don't sit on the fence that is that you're for this or you're for that. And when somebody has a broken heart, is it between death and life? He's actually existing, not living. Are you getting what I'm saying? And such a case is a more terrible and dire case than even a dead person. It's either your life or your death. But when you're neither alive or dead, it's a serious matter. So why Jesus was healing and taking care of all the cases that were that were coming at him while he was 
a broken heart. Let me tell you, listen to me, anybody listen to the sound of my voice this, this morning. Wherever you are, whatever the time is you are listening to me, if your heart is broken, your kiss is a priority to Jesus. Let me let you know that your broken heart is more important to Jesus than even the dead person that is by your side. Or the person that is sick by your side. I hear what I'm saying. See, most of the time when we talk about miracles, we focus more on what we call the physical miracles. But the miracle of the soul, we don't focus on it. Oh, the blind eyes were open. The lame walk. The sick was healed. The dead was raised. But what about the broken hearts? But Jesus healed a few people. But his, when Jesus left that morning, when he set out, his mission, his non-priority mission, was not the sick that came. After all, when he sat on his own, he came to meet him and he healed all of them. Healing all of them was not an issue. The focus for that day was not the blind that he healed on the way. It was not the lady he healed on the way. It was not the sick that he healed on the way. The focus for that day was that window in the city of Maine. That woman who had was had just been broken. That woman who had had been shattered. That was the focus of the day. And I came to tell you, child of God, if your heart has been broken in any way, you are God's focus for today. Some people, did they just have a physical ailment and they look like they have a dire situation? Oh, the sickness of the body. It may be death, it may be a bit made, it may be, it may be being disabled, it may be a financial team, and something that looks physical looks like it commands more attention. But there are people who inside they are dead. They may look good on the outside, they may look healthy on the outside, they may look like everything is fine on the outside, but on the inside they are dead. And let me let you know something. Such a man is in between death and life because he's not living, he's just merely existing. And such a person is God's priority focus for the day. When God begins every day, his focus for the day is to heal a broken heart. But the church has so focused on physical, physical ailment, but we have forgotten about ailments of the soul. And Jesus walked miles just to heal a broken heart. The widow, they were carrying her son, he was dead, and she was in between death and life. And Jesus did one thing. He had compassion on her. And he stopped the procession. And he put his hand on the bear. And he says, Young man, get up. And the man rose up. And he gave, and the man went and, and he gave, he delivered him to his mother. How did Jesus reverse the cause of the broken heart? What was the cause of the broken heart here? It was death. What did Jesus do? He reversed death. So let me get the sense of I don't know the reason for your broken heart. I don't know what has broken your heart. Maybe something that it may look like is irreversible. But I tell you that if Jesus can reverse death, he can reverse everything. Yes. He can reverse everything. Yes. Whatever is the cause for your broken heart, Jesus can reverse it. The reason for the woman's broken heart was death. Her husband died not enough. Now her son died. Death was giving her heartbreaks upon heartbreak. And Jesus said, In the name of Jesus, and I give you a declare every reason for your heartbreak. It is reversed in the name of Jesus. 
to life. And how did he respond to the joy of the broken hearted? The Bible says that 15 pieces and he delivered him to his mother. <laughs> this was her joy. Her joy was stolen by the devil through the instrument of death. But Jesus reversed it and then gave her back her joy. Let me tell you something. When Jesus reverses the cause of your breaking broken heart, he gives you back your joy. That joy that looks like was lost. That joy that looks like could never come back. When he, rest, when he reverses the cause of the broken heart, he gives you back your joy. I came with a word from God for somebody today. Your joy is coming back. Jesus is giving you back your joy. Yeah. 
then go back. But she knew that she was a daughter of covenant. She must go back to the land of covenant. She still believed in Yahweh and said, even if he slept me, yet will I trust him. Even if my husband and my two sons are dead, I still will go back to where I came from. Because I know the covenant I have with him. Even when to her husband must have looked like he was a man not given to covenant. Only a little family in Judah and he ran to Moab. And then after that, we don't know how faithful he is. How faithful he was and he went his sons when they were looking. They were dead more men. I held on to covenant. But this Naomi woman was a woman of covenant. Why offer looked at her as a normal woman? Ruth looked at her and said, I like your faith. And like, see that one, your people with my people and your God with my God. It was not an ordinary one. It was a one that came over years of study, analysis, revelation, and experience. She's not like every other woman. I want to know this God she serves. The people in my country here, we don't have this kind of faith. That is why people are wondering what kind of faith we have as children of God. Because they look at us and everything is spotlight. We change our confession. We change our stand. But until they see us don't get up to death, they will not want to follow the God we serve. Tommy said, Look, I will follow this one. I will follow her. And he told her, Stop. Otherwise, if you try to convince me otherwise, I will still follow you against your will. Why? What does what? Why did she say so? Because your people will be my people, and your God will be what my God. In other words, even if you stop me from following you, I'll be following you from a distance. Hey, this matter, if you stop me, how fast can you know? Will you carry stick and push me? All of this, you will stay there and say, I'll be following you. I will not devote to your view, to your people. <laughs> Your people, this is your people, they will be my people, and your God, he must be my God. I have served my God for years, and I have not seen this kind of conviction. Yeah. I want to serve this God you are serving, that even though your husband and your two sons die, you can still hold on to him. Even though your husband and two sons die, you can still say, I'm going back to my land. I'm not afraid to ashamed for what they call me. The Bible says, when Naomi came back, the, the women were happy to see her. They came at her. Excited, shouting Naomi, Naomi. She said, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitterness. For the Lord, I'm not there for, for a quote. I've not experienced good things in my life. But that's by the fact that she said, Call me bitterness. She never said, Call me an unbeliever. She never said, Call me a heathen. Call me a worshiper of Baal. No, 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 no. All you can do is call me bitterness. But don't change my identity. I'm still a doctor. Don't say this, this kind of faith I want. I must follow these faiths. And at the end of the day, what happened? God reversed the cause of her pain by giving her what? A daughter, a, 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 a son-in-law again, in the person of Boaz. And from her, from that generation came what? Jesus. God did not just give her son, like he restored the son of the widow. God did not just give her a son. God gave her the son in the order of Obed, in the order of Jesse, in the order of David, mighty man. And then he gave her son in the order of Jesus the Christ. Hear me very well. This is what the God myself does. This is what Jesus do. Second scenario was Mary and Martha, Lazarus's sisters. I will see this in John chapter 11, verse 22 to 44. And it says, and, and I knew that thou hearest me, Jesus speaking here, always. And I, and I know that thou hearest me always, but be, because of the people we stand by, I 
said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when the cause has spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with great clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Lose him and let him go. How the leaders reverse the course of the of the heartbreak in this situation, which was dead. He did it by what? And he thought, and, and when he had thought spoken, he cried with the last one, Lazarus, come forth, and behold, he that was dead came forth. Bound and bound hand and foot with great clothes, and his face was bound about that day. He reversed it in Lazarus' case. And the Bible says he restored their joy by doing what Jesus said unto them, lose him and let him go. This that Jesus did is the same thing he wants to do for everyone who has a broken heart. The broken heart is Jesus' priority focus for the day. Jesus is on the point for people with a broken heart. He's looking for broken hearts to heal. It's, it's so painful that Jesus is looking for broken hearts to heal. And people with broken hearts are hiding their broken hearts. They come to church and they hide from, from the word of God. When the word of God wants to do a, a, an autopsy, when he wants to do an operation on them, they hide the broken heart from God. But that's why you came to the church. You came to, to the church so your broken heart can be walked on. God has to walk on your broken heart. Don't hide it from God. Imagine if the widow, when, when Jesus came and Jesus had compassion on them and said, Stop and say, Who are you? Who are you? Can you see that my son is dead? Can you see what I'm going to And that is the response to what people have to the word of God. Can you see that I'm going to marry my son? I'm going to marry my son. Please, yeah. She would have driven her solution away. Open your hearts to the master. Only Jesus can heal the broken heart. Some of us are looking for a man to heal your broken heart, a woman to heal your broken heart. No man or woman can heal your broken heart. If you are broken, you are broken. A man broke you, a man cannot heal you. A woman broke you, a woman cannot heal you. Are you not saying? Yes. A human being broke, a human being cannot heal you. No. Only Jesus who made you can heal you. The only thing men can do for you is to break you. They cannot heal you. Evil therapy cannot heal you. Only Jesus can heal you. Only Jesus can heal the broken heart. Rise up in your fears. Zobra Grisha. I want to at this moment speak, call on every person who is under the sound of my voice, who has not made Jesus a Lord and personal Savior. See, this is the first step. Your heart will be broken in. But if you don't make Jesus your Lord and personal Savior, you can't have your heart in you. I want you to say this prayer after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. But today I come to you. I receive you as my Lord and personal Savior. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. From today, I will never follow the devil again. Thank you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for everyone who has made this prayer. I have for the grace to follow you all the days of the life you release today. Thank you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. But God, we in every area where my heart has been broken, God, I open up to you. He men. He led. He led. Oh, we want to bring this for you. Father, I'm telling me that there's somebody, you are feeling a burning sensation in your heart. 
At this point, you are feeling a burning sensation in your heart. You are feeling it physically, it's your heart. A burning sensation. A burning sensation. That's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That's the anointing of God. It's, it's, it's mending your heart. It's mending, it's, it, it, that, that's an act to show what God is doing in your soul, man. It's mending the brokenness in your soul, man. It, it, the anointing of God is mending the brokenness in your soul, man. There's another person, you are feeling a, 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 an electric vibe run through your brain. An electric vibe run through your vein. For somebody, it's, it's just around the vein, it's going round the brain, just round an electric vibe. It, it's like an electric vibe sensation. For somebody, it's running through from the, the, the middle of your, your head down through your spine. Down through your spine, it's running through. That's also the anointing of God. That's the anointing of God. And it's working on your soul, man. It's healing your soul, man. It's healing your soul, man. It's healing you of every break, every heartbreak. Everything that has broken you thus far, the Lord is healing you of it. The Lord is healing you of it. For somebody in your bowels, you are feeling you are feeling a heat sensation in your bowels, in your in your in your, in your stomach. You are feeling a heat sensation there, a heat sensation in your in your bowels. And for other person, you are feeling like a hand is just resting on your stomach. A hand is just resting on your stomach. Now, yes, that is a that that is a hand of the Holy Spirit. That's a hand of the Father. Amen to Jesus. That's the hand of Jesus resting on you. That's the hand of Jesus. And it's, it's, it's coming every every trouble, trouble spot in your soul, man. In your in your heart, in your in your soul, man. Every trouble spot, everything that has caused your your, your, your heart to be troubled and thus be broken is constantly coming. It's that's what that's what the Lord is doing. It's causing a cabinet. Yes, and when the person is feeling this sensation in your in your in your in your bones, in your bones. Now that, that that's also symbolic for your spirit because God says, as of your bones shall flow rivers of living water. Now you have been experiencing dryness in your in your in your walk with God. And that's as a result of a particular heartbreak. It's a particular thing that broke your heart as you have been walking, been walking with God for a period of time. You're having the most fruitful Christian life and the most fruitful uh, 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 fellowship with God. But you have experienced a heartbreak. And that has made you experience dryness, dryness. But that any sensation you are feeling in your stomach is, is releasing back the flow of God's living water from you. You will begin to feel a hunger in you to spend time with God. As I'm talking to you, it's, it's getting hotter. The sensation is getting hotter. And as I'm speaking, you are beginning to pray in the Holy Ghost. You are beginning to pray in the Holy Ghost. That sensation is getting hotter. And you are beginning to pray uncontrollably in the Holy Ghost. Now, this is going to bring another level of eruption in your spirit's life in your walk with God that will take you to depths and dimensions that you cannot explain. Take you to dimensions that you cannot explain. For there's somebody because of a particular business you did, you did, you, your heart got broken. You, you have been in business for years, but this you are this is a line of business you have been doing, and you have not had issues. Even when you have experienced losses, you know how to make up for your losses and any of that. But there was a particular transaction you got into, and it wrecked you. It cut you through. I'm seeing like a knife entered in you from front to back. It cut you through. It cut you through. And you are at the point where you look like there is no hope any longer because all the all the all the uh, channels you have looked up to, you are trying to reach out to to get uh, 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 hope from them. They are all closed. All the doors are closed to you. Now hear me very well. This word is from God to you. God allows those doors to be closed because He wants to be the 
source of your joy. He wants to restore your joy. He wants to reverse the cause of your heartbreak. Now you're wondering why all the doors have been closing. These are doors you knock on before and they open to you. But they are closed to you. You cannot just get yourself back up again because these doors are closed. You are praying, you are fasting, and you have even, you have even tried every measure of faith you want to you know you could try. You will try to get to some men of God and yet you give it, they give you words of hope and encouragement and it looks like nothing is working. You are at the verge, you are at the verge of totally losing it. You are at the verge of totally losing it. And the Lord will have me tell you this moment that he allowed all these praise God forevermore. And he says, I should let you know that he is healing your heart at this moment. He's healing your heart at this moment. You are going to feel something like hot oil drop in your heart. Drop into your heart. It's healing your heart at this moment. It's healing your heart at this moment. And it says, as he heals your heart, he says, when he says, as I heal your heart, you express healing in every area of life. He says, my main plan for you is not just to restore what you have lost. My main plan for you is to restore your love for me. He said, now you, you went into this because you have dropped, you have, you have gone so low in your love time. He said, my main plan is to restore your love for me. He said, as I do that, you will discover that you will have a full purpose for living. Your life will not be tied around your achievements. Your life will be tied around me, seeing the Lord. He said, and when I make that happen for you, you discover that achievements will come to you without you coming for them. Thank you, Holy Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Holy Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's somebody who have a wound in your soul. It has been there for 15 years. 15 years, it was an assault. It was an assault. And that's really a wound in your soul. I just see a wound in the center of a man. A wound in your soul. It was an assault. And it has been there for 15 years. You have done anything to heal that wound. You have gone, you have prayed about it, you have taken therapy and every other. And, and the wound seems to, to stay on in your soul. Even your subconscious, it comes back to your mind. You have done your best to discipline yourself not to begin to break others. So some of the times when you begin to lose it, you keep quiet. When you begin to lose your calm, you keep quiet and you stay, you go, you, 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 you retrieve and just try to have control over yourself. But you know that this is a battle and this battle has to be won or you will be totally lost. The Lord will have me tell you that he's cleaning the world. At first I see clean wound because the wound, there are a lot of gems, a lot of deaths that have come into that wound. I see the Lord cleaning wound. That is, in the process of his cleaning the wound, you are going to have some more experience, some more experiences of pain. You are going to have some pain. But that's the Lord cleaning the wound for you. And he says, as I, as I, as I clean the wound, I am healing the wound also. And you see a healing process from now to the next three months, you will be going through a lot of spiritual and physical experiences. Painful experiences will come because God is cleaning the wound. But you know what? The next will be soothing experiences. From now to the next three months, till March, you'll be having these experiences. It's been, uh, the next time you start having sweet experiences, soothing and, and sweet experiences, because the Lord is healing the wound. And you know this time that the wound will be totally gone. In three months, the Lord will have it. In three months, this whole thing will end. It will be as if it never existed in your life. Amen. You will even try to look for it, you will find it. You will try to bring back the top. You so serious that even when you try to break the back, they look like they don't know where exist. It's going to be the miracle working of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your healing. I pray for everyone present under the sound of my voice who is broken-hearted. I release the healing power of Jesus upon you in the name of Jesus. Let your hearts be healed. Be healed and be mended in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God.
God Almighty, bless and be your name forever. Be glorified, Lord. Be lifted up, Lord. Let's go ahead and appreciate God for, 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 for His word and for answers of prayers. Thank you, Lord God Almighty. Bless and be your name forever. Be glorified, be lifted up. We believe you have been blessed watching and listening to this teaching. We invite you to watch and listen to more Pluru teachings by Pastor Chumdi Ohahuna. You can subscribe and watch our YouTube channel for more videos of these series and other series. Or listen via Grace Life Podcast on Anchor FM. We would like to hear from you via email, if you made the prayer of salvation and would like to share your testimonies from this ministration. Grace.